0: Welcome to Shatter by Rockwell Automation Women in the Field. We're your hosts, Olivia Robertson
1: and Corinne Pellish. Well, first of all, welcome, everyone. Shatter, I feel like we've had a bit of a hiatus, so we're excited to be back recording.
0: Yes. Welcome, Jane, to our podcast as well. We have Jane Barr here. We're very excited for that as well. Um, Jane, how are you doing?
2: Good morning, ladies. I am well. So happy to be
1: here with you this morning. Yes, we are thrilled you could join us. And I guess, Jane, just kind of kick us off, you know, who in the world is Jane Barr and... Um, what just, what do you do with your free time? What do you do outside of work? Um, just who are you?
2: Corinne, what an exciting way to start. I am a mom of two amazing boys. I am married for 25 years. I live in a suburb of Milwaukee and, um, pre covid we were a pretty active outdoor sports family, I would say, a lot of time at baseball and football fields. Um, we do some fun gaming as, as a family, and um, we have a, our favorite pastime when we can afford the time and travel is to try to get to a Disney World park every couple of years. It's our personal family treasure and passion, and it's yeah. one that the boys started to love when they entered their teens. So it's kind of a, a more recent experience, so we're pretty excited. So, um,
0: that's, um, that's our world. And, and, um, yeah, Disney family,
2: Disney family. Yes.
0: Do you have a a specific park or ride? That's your favorite.
2: We are kind of old school, traditional, um, magic kingdom. So we could be at the magic kingdom from morning till close and, um, ride it's a small world or, um, the train and we'd be equally happy. I think (laughs) it's just the excitement of being in a happy, happy place. And, watching crowds and families, um, and, uh, just really brings us, you know, great joy and and fun to enjoy, enjoy that together. So it's a lot of good memories.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I love it. And are you from Milwaukee area or where, where did you grow up? I grew up uh, not too far away. So
2: I grew up in a suburb of Chicago, Illinois, and a good Midwest, um, upbringing went to a big 10 school in university of, at university of Illinois. And, um, have moved around, but really all within a couple hundred miles of um, this kind of area of Midwest, Illinois and Wisconsin.
1: That's fantastic. Well, we are thrilled to have you. I feel like Olivia and I have known you as our regional vice president for quite some time now. And we, I always brag about having um, a woman leader, because I just think it's oh, yeah. incredible. And <laughs> number one, you're incredible in general. And then also just to be able to look at you and see um, like, oh, maybe I could do that myself. So you're, you're a true yeah. inspiration and we are well, thrilled to know you personally <laughs> as well.
0: But so, with that, yes, yeah, since you are the regional VP for the East region, how did you get to this position? Can you give us a little bit about your background, your career path, just maybe why you chose some of these different positions along the way? It would be my pleasure.
2: And and I will say, I started as a, as a trained engineer, I worked pretty hard for my engineering degrees, ladies. So I felt I needed to go be an engineer first. That kind of was what I felt I needed to do to prove it to myself and maybe even my parents and my friends that I could yeah. do it. And I enjoyed six years working um, in an automotive manufacturer um, in the Detroit area. And I loved every minute of that challenge. It was exciting. It was exhilarating. Um, and I'll tell you my path to my current our current world here at Rockwell is interesting and it is one that takes me through my family so my younger sister similar background joined as an intern a sales intern for Rockwell and for two summers I really got tired of her telling me how extraordinary um, how, how impressive a, a team of, of people who could be more than engineers but be consultants and help customers uh, solve business problems and this was 25 years ago and I um, I, I came through the interview process and um, ended up deciding to use my engineering problem solving a little different and so joined Rockwell 25 years ago. I can't believe I'm saying it. I'm, I'm going to try to pinch the wrinkles tighter in my face so as not to to be um, wearing my age on uh, my face. That's um, what but, Botox uh, is for. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's been, a, it's been a great ride, and and um, Olivia, I think to sum it up, I, I joined in a, in a new world for me, which was trying to bridge technology background with maybe a commercial consultative way to try to help solve our industrial manufacturers' challenges, some very tiny, right? Some maybe a, a different deployment of a technology or a proximity mm-hmm. switch, and some pretty cool and, and wide-ranging from how do we help them think about Better throughput, first-time yield, quality, et cetera. And so my journey is is um, through a number of different roles, um, different you know different areas, different industries, uh, support, and um, a little time in our business unit to to focus on um, customer-facing service solutions. So um, it's kind of been a a tapestry of of different and challenging assignments, but all of them I think for everybody out there. Um, it's more about what I personally grew and the skills I captured along the way and much less about a defined plan, you know, a defined path of how one role led to another. That was my personal journey and experience.
1: No, I love that. And thank you for sharing. You have such a unique background and, you know, a lot of folks that I know personally started right at Rockwell and then have kind of worked their way up and you Mm -hmm. having that external experience and that frontline engineering work is, is really impressive. Um, Did you always know that you wanted to be a leader in this company or was there a moment when you were like, you know, as I'm taking these new roles and kind of navigating this career, that it just kind of came to you that, yes, I I do want to be a a regional vice president one day or I want to make sure I'm a people leader or have a larger footprint of influence?
2: Wow, I love this question and I don't know that I'm going to answer it uh, in a typical way, I am, uh, my motivation is to make a difference, whatever that means in my role, and feed my soul along the way. And, and I never, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to progress in our career. Not one of them is right or wrong. For me, it was more near term. It was how do I contribute the most in the role I'm in and have fun in the process. And um, we'll talk a little bit about um, personality and culture and, and some of those dynamics uh, through the course of this conversation. But I think that did lead me towards um, how do I partner with a team, whether they worked for me or or not, and how to enable them to have a blast and and crush the goals and objectives. And I think because of my passion and my uh, my driving force being on that side of, of the house, I think it did lead me to roles that uh, I was given the privilege to lead people, right? And it found me into the role I'm in right now. Um, That's awesome. So, yeah, it wasn't, that, it wasn't a sharing. defined goal, but it it came to me and I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the, you know, every step of the way. Awesome.
1: Thank you for sharing. Let's move into the ad. Jane, if you want to read that ad for us, that would be great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it would be my pleasure, ladies. I, I want to do some work <laughs> for you guys. I want to do some work. Okay. This podcast episode brought to you by Rockwell Automation's connected enterprise expertise. Industry 4.0, industrial internet of things, smart manufacturing. You may all have heard one of these terms for the fourth industrial revolution before. Here at Rockwell, we call it bringing the connected enterprise to life. Through our comprehensive technology platform, lifecycle services, and consulting and solutions business, we aim to enable our digital transformation goals today not only within Rockwell, but within our trusted customers and partners. With data-driven insights, you have the right information to the right person at the right time. Now that is truly a connected enterprise.
0: Jane, again, welcome. Thank you so much for being with us here on Shatter. We're thrilled to have you. So our discussion today is going to be all around creating and empowering a culture of vulnerability. So take things off, what does it mean to be vulnerable to you? And to be vulnerable typically means to be bold. Um, do you have any advice for those who might be struggling as well to show up to work and being vulnerable? Yeah,
2: oh my gosh, this is such an important topic. And and there's so many dynamics right now in our world, right, with, um, with the, the pandemic and, and with social equity. It's easy to feel we lose our power as individuals, regardless of our age or our gender or ethnicity. And I think if I may start with, you know, I I feel vulnerability, we can easily misinterpret that, as you said, Olivia, not as being bold, but actually being weak. And I think it's the exact opposite. It's exactly what you said. So if there's one punchline for this whole discussion today, it's being vulnerable, having the confidence in yourself, being okay with who you are, how you Mm -hmm. feel, and owning that, being almost fearless is such a gift to those around you, right? Being vulnerable means you're willing to to say it like it is you're willing to to express how you personally feel and there's nothing wrong with how you feel it is how you feel and i think it's the 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 courage um to be bold and to share uh, this vulnerability and who you are truly makes a a tremendous difference as an individual or as a team member or as a leader of a team because you build trust if people believe that you're showing up for the good of the team, for the good of yourself, and you're being truthful and honest, um, nothing bad can, can come from that. It's not always easy, but nothing bad will come from that if you approach it that way.
0: Yeah, and definitely, and I, I personally feel like with, especially my coworkers, my my um, direct reports, like when I am vulnerable with them, it's the most productive work, time available, right? Like it's, everyone works their best when we seem to be able to be open and, and, uh, vulnerable like that. So,
1: no, I think that's a great point. And Jane, like you said, it's not easy, but it's, it's necessary and it's so powerful. Right. So I think almost the true leaders are those that are embracing vulnerability differently than we have seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking to like your experience as the East region, um, RVP, I feel like you've created this incredible work family where people want to check on each other personally. And I mean, I feel like this really cultivates that culture of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So people care about each other personally, call each other just to check in on, you know, if someone's in the hospital, what are we all doing to rally around that person? So in the end, coworkers do really turn into friends, which is so neat. So would you agree that creating this Intentional work-family really emboldens people to treat each other as such. Oh, Corinne, I think so. I, I think absolutely.
2: I think it's a foundation of, of how we show up because it feels safer, right? You mm-hmm. you feel people are, are engaging you for um, the right reasons, and they're not in it for themselves. They're they're in it for the team, right? It kind of it's hard to go from an individualist culture that we are in the in the in the U.S. That's how we've been founded, and and to really pivot that not only to be successful of course as individuals, but to even accelerate our success to being a team. You know, I, I think about your statement and there was, I'm pleased to say, um, there was some intentionality around this, this culture that you're observing in our, in our greater team. And it's, and it's truly present broadly within Rockwell Automation. We're very lucky to, to have this culture. But years ago, we actually wrote on paper some of the elements that would define this culture that we wanted to create. And cultivate, and by no means did we nail it. We didn't get it perfect every time, but we set in paper and put it in front of our, our teams, of course, across all levels of the organization, what we wanted to achieve. And mm-hmm. part of it was transparency. Uh, part of it was we are what we are now calling vulnerability. But I think it started with, hey, hold us accountable. If I, Jane, as your your segment leader, am not living up to that value or that behavior daily i want you to call me out i want there to be less focus on hierarchy and more focus on what the heck is getting in your way and i I think over time i don't want to speak for all of us but you guys might want to chime in i wanted to change the role of the leader as a problem seeker like go Mm -hmm. find the problems that are in your team's way whether they're in our direct control or not And let's go shine a light on them and and go get them out of the way that should be the role of a leader and I think you knit all of those pieces and parts together declaring it hey we want to go get this done you know opening the the bi-directional feedback because we didn't get it right every day certainly I didn't but we aspired to get better and learn I think you put all that together we do create more transparency vulnerability ultimately and that trust And, and you mentioned this family dynamic I think you know the lines of work and and personal are blurring right now right it didn't Very take the so. pandemic our 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 colleagues you know our, our ability to enjoy um, great events outside and inside work those elements are blurring right so if we don't invest in this we're not going to have as much fun and and our right. job our job takes a lot of us right 80 yeah. 75 80% of our work waking hours it's we owe it to ourselves to kick butt high, high achieving Mm-hmm. against our goals, but also enjoy the ride. And uh, I think this is an, an, a, a critical piece of what it's got to be like today and into the
1: future. Right? Absolutely. And I think that's, that's just a great point The the pandemic and making sure that everyone's just okay, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've all seen the backgrounds of our houses by now. <laughs> um, and so there's, there's just an element of humanity that comes with that of, you know, when a, a kid runs into the room, or when there's like, you know, just, I have like traffic right outside my apartment and I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I can't always control the noises. Um, and so there's just this element of, it's okay. You know, it, we're, we're all in this together. Life is hard and there's some extra pressures right now. So just giving each other a bit more of that grace and empathy, I think has enabled, um, that whether or not people have wanted to be vulnerable, it's enabled that
0: vulnerability piece
1: because you kind of don't have an option.
0: Yeah. And another point too, I want to just hit on is that I think, as you had said, Jane, that you've worked for the last few years to create this this, uh, community as well as this overall ability for people to be able to communicate bi-directionally, right? And make sure that we're addressing um, issues from both a manager as well as like a, a contributor level and making sure that there's open conversation and we're addressing things equally. And I definitely think that that is definitely seen at this point. Um, I think Rockwell, we're very, we have a unique relationship with each other that I don't know if, not that other companies outside of our company have that, but you know what, talking personally to um, family members, to even my fiance and to other people, my friends, they don't have the relationships with their coworkers as we do. And it's almost interesting to hear when even you're saying like, oh yeah, I was talking to my, one of my friends when really my friend is my coworker the other day. And it's about something that's, you know, work-related, but then we also have that personal connection. And when talking to others about their community within their work, Mm -hmm. uh, workplace, they don't have those conversations. And they're like, my fiance the other day was just like, I would never talk to my manager about what I do on a weekend. It's not business-like, it's not, it's just not what we do at our company. And I'm like, that's just so weird. I just can't imagine not being able to talk to my, to my manager or even my coworkers and have a one-on-one conversation that was more intimate in the terms Mm -hmm. of like, yeah, I know Corinne's going to go hiking this weekend. I know that like, you know, what she's doing and it helps me to be able to connect with her a little bit Mm -hmm. more as well as to be able to, um, just, you know, enjoy working with each other. Like you can make jokes and do different things and talk and communicate yeah. better when you know that more about that person. Yes. So,
2: you know, it's an interesting observation you both make because I've only myself worked in two corporate cultures. So I, I have to say my subset is, you know, my sample size is pretty small, but, you know, through relatives and friends and colleagues or, and folks who've who we've been lucky to join into Rockwell, who've, who've experienced other cultures, I do think we have something unique here and it takes all mm-hmm. of us to continue to, Acknowledge the strengths of our culture and Mm -hmm. to keep innovating it, right? Because the world, the speed of technology, just as you guys, uh, ladies, both said, you know, we're connecting with one another differently. And and Corinne, I agree, almost more intimately than ever before, right? At first, when the pandemic hit, I was more worried about how do we stay connected in this virtual world. And I'll tell you, I think I feel like I know our team at a at a more deep and real level, more more so than pre, you know. Pre March, so um, it, it's so it's so challenging, and it's a commitment that we have to each other to to keep bringing the elements of our culture and the speed that we need to to succeed in our business goals. Fast decisions, innovative ideas. Mm-hmm. I think vulnerability and the courage that comes along with being direct and um, and respectful, of course, and professional all at one time. We'll do all of that. Of that. So we'll enjoy it, and we'll be able to accelerate our work. You know, and and get to consensus and, and lead, lead across all these differences. So, um, great, uh, great opportunity and good foundation for sure. Absolutely. I love that.
1: It absolutely helps. Um, just the dynamic at work. We want to work for each other when we care about each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that enables a different part of us to, um, you know, when Olivia texts me at 5 PM saying, Hey, I need something. I'll do it like it. That's no problem. Like let's get her done. Um, because I care about Olivia and I want to make sure she's equally as successful. So that's the beautiful thing about this organization. It's so true. It's so true. Mm-hmm. I know
2: this is not about culture, but so much of everything we all do is on this this word culture, which is mm-hmm. probably maybe overused these days, but it's so fundamental, right? I think right. Mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if folks know we've got their back and, and we feel the work we do is valued and, and being seen and appreciated, we all know we, we respond to those texts on a Saturday or a Sunday mm-hmm. or a Friday at 530 um, because that discretionary effort is what we bring, right? That's what makes each of us um, those team players and they're for each other. So it's great, great example.
1: No, I love that. And that brings us into this next wave of questions. Um, so even just from my own personal experience, I've noticed that when you do lower your own guard, it enables that next person to, to lower their guard. So if we think about this in terms of a courageous conversation in really showing up in lowering our guard or maybe our preconceived notions or being heightenedly aware of maybe some some biases we may have. Mm-hmm. Jane, do you have any personal experience to lowering your own guard to then empower someone else to open up? Because mm. that can be very tough. Boy, it's, oh my
2: gosh, there's so many elements to that. There's mm-hmm. Thank you. It's a great question. Um, there's things as basic as hierarchy, you know, and and positional title within an organization can get in the way of that. I think there's got to be very intentional work for those of us, again, who have given the responsibility and privilege to have um, a leadership role, um, to be able to acknowledge that and find unique and ways that work for you to, to minimize that difference and have your colleague or your teams understand you need them. And that you value their opinion so that you you create a safe environment, that they can speak openly and and frequently. I think a tactic, it's certainly very basic, but I do think we use this broadly uh, across our company is the importance of skip level reviews, right? So people understand, number one, why you you want to hear from them, right? And and when you do it enough, they they don't question the intent and they say, oh good, I, I can't wait to tell Olivia what I just ran into or I need to make sure I tell Tessa or Jane or Alejandro um, something that that they might want to choose to do differently or something that really works. So I think it's it's stating intense uh, your intention, if you have especially if you have a little of that positional uh, power. I think the other piece is self-management. You know, I think it's, it's we're, we're human right there. There's there's an element sometimes to feel bruised if you receive feedback um, when you think you put your heart and soul into something and, and perhaps it didn't go as well as you wanted or it didn't have the effect on someone that you had hoped. So I think to, to your point, Corinne, just to keep our own personal ego at check, keep um, our own personal ambition, if that's the case, or our personal professional needs, and really turn your energy to that person across the table or across the Zoom meeting um, to make mm-hmm. sure they know you're present. That you you are you're going to listen with intent on everything they have to say. You're not going to judge. You're going to ask questions. Tell me a little more about that. I I I want to make sure I really understood what you were going to say there. Um, that's assuming we're we're in a conversation. Perhaps you could do the same thing over you know an email or written correspondence. But I do think it starts with that you know us on 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 the either receiving or probing end um, to create a safe space and really honestly seek for a mutually Good outcome. Um, I have never gone mm-hmm. into a conversation that I had something to prove and have it end well. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a there's a temptation that I want to go call my buddy in the you know the Southwest region and we're going to talk something through. That's probably not the time to make that call, right? when's mm-hmm. when my energy is really ready to have a collaborative conversation, because chances are I'm probably wrong anyway. You know, but but going into that conversation with a true, honest, mutual outcome. <laughs> <laughs> that we yes. both want to get to not because I want to have an outcome that I think is the right one, because I'm okay. probably wrong. So I don't know if that gets to some of the concepts, Corinne, that, that you want to maybe talk through a little bit. But
1: I think it does. And I think I love what you said about this element of creating a safe place. And I think an important thing to note is a safe place doesn't happen overnight. So I think a lot of that comes from building a rapport and having a relationship with someone in, in, you know, like what Olivia was saying, get to know them personally, because that helps enable that safe place. So that way, when you do have to have a harder conversation or you're frustrated about something or, you know, whatever it might be, you're able then to sit down and say, Hey, I hear you. Mm -hmm. This is my intent. You know what you were saying, Jane, and then you Mm -hmm. can move into that conversation. Um, because I think a lot of times it might be, you know, there's someone's trying to show that, hey, this is a safe place, but if you've never talked to them more than, you know, once on a conference call before, or this or that, it's just not going to go the same way. So make sure that that is a a journey to find and build that safe place. That way you can, you can have those conversations as needed.
2: If I could share just a little bit too, um, reflecting on your, both of your comments, you know, I came from a different culture in General Motors. There was a, there was certainly a lot of pressure as there is in, in our current world, but it was very tactical pressure. If we didn't create a car every 59 seconds, there was a, it was a negative outcome to that, right? It was, it was it, the, the performance was measured in seconds, which creates a, right. a different type of time horizon and stress. So as I joined the Rockwell team, again, we work hard, we work differently. The time horizons are slightly different and more elongated based on projects, opportunities, et cetera. And I found that I missed, I bowled right through those moments of creating rapport and creating relationship because I was just the facts, Jack. I was, I was, I was trained into, even though it was only six years of that engineer, get it done uh, and, and less, um, I less understood earlier on in my career how critical it was to create those moments of of connection and all those things that lead to trust and vulnerability that we're talking about today. So boy, I learned I learned a lot <laughs> in the earlier years of my career as well.
0: Yeah. And actually that really leads right, really great into my next question about creating this this uh, culture of trust and being able to um, in the East region, you've really given us the opportunity to run to the fire as like we like to say, and ultimately create the best customer experience. Um, So through this process, you've empowered frontline sellers to run to the fire and raise issues up to their leadership team as needed. And you've empowered your team to do this so great. And this is not only something all leaders do or successfully do in that in that regard, um, can you speak to your theory on empowering your team and further empowering your team to then empower their team to be able to do this?
2: Wow, oh, I love that question, and I'm honored that you would share you know share your uh, your reflection on me. It's it's the team, and, and I I know this is so much broader than uh, than our you know what we call our East region here in North America, Rockwell, uh, but I I'm honored by that and, and complimented to the team. I I think it does tie directly into the vulnerability and trust, right? And and Mm -hmm. we're working every day from our our CEO to his senior leadership on down that to create a high performance culture, every leader has to have the back of those around them, those who they, Mm -hmm. again, have the privilege to lead. And I think just knowing that there's there's not judgment. The, the energy and the focus is on making the right decision as quickly as possible, landing the decision making authority, at, at, you know, closest to the customer, closest to where value is created, is something we aspire and work to every day. So thank you for that. I think it's it's on the on the back of a lot of good work within the, the company, but I think it does come down at the local level. We've got to take those concepts and expectations from our corporate culture and and localize it. Right to the local teams. Right. And um, you know, we, we have a call you know, very regularly on what's in your way, what are the problems? We assign owners, so we hope to unload or unburden the backpack of our selling and, and domain expert field of engineering team and, and help resolve an issue, while at the same time working with our, our functional leaders and our business units to systemically correct the problem. So I think part of it, Olivia, is leading by example you know, having the words that, that are in the values and behaviors that we call in our corporate framework and structure, let those be shown every day by what we do, right? And, and um, running to the fire is a very powerful example that was started in, in our business units. And it means that if you've got a problem, run it in, right? doesn't matter what mm-hmm. position you're playing on the team or in the field, bring it up. And we're gonna, we're gonna collectively you know, bring every, every power of our firm to go after it. So leading mm-hmm. by example, doing what you say, Um, keeping, you know, keeping oneself accountable to the mission of, of, you know, guarding the back of your team. And if all of that is in the spirit and the intent of what's best for our client, you can't lose. Right. And so I I hope I answer your question, but it's a, it's a true team sport, but it's built on um, localizing the expectations and the values and beliefs right down to the working group and working team level.
1: No, that's great. And I think you've, you've enabled, you know, through that, that meeting that you We host essentially where we talk about the big rocks in people's backpacks, Um, just knowing that they will be heard and there will be someone assigned to it to help them so it doesn't fall on, um, you know, silent ears or deaf ears, whatever the saying is. Um, Basically, you you feel like if you bring something to leadership and then they're like, oh, but that's not a big deal, you're going to stop bringing things right to leadership. But if no problem is too small in regards to customer experience, that is so powerful. So I, I love what we've been doing with this, um, with Rockwell, just to really bring the best possible customer experience to our uh, those that we're serving in the manufacturing yeah. space. It's very powerful.
0: Yeah, and awesome. the fact that we're all we're all on the same team. Yeah, and I think that is so apparent here in the East Region, where I know that if I had a problem, I could call you, Jane, directly, and I know you'd be like, "Okay, let's talk this through and make sure that we're addressing exactly how we need to to make sure the customer is happy." So. Very apparent, I and that's one reason why. I mean, Korean unfortunately can't say this anymore, but that's why I love the East Region team. (laughs) I love the East
2: team. Uh Again, I want to. I love and I'm so appreciative for my staff who who deliver this and leave these values every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to go back to something you guys both highlighted earlier. This Rockwell thing, and I know this is not a you know this this is this is agnostic of anybody's company, but this this Rockwell you know story is based on one team. And I think that's what makes us a unique culture. We are truly one team with one singular vision to advance and accelerate digital manufacturing, whether you're an employee in New Zealand or Brussels, Munich, uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, or Milwaukee, where our global headquarters are. We truly are one team. And I think that gives us a um, a lot of range and a lot of power in how we knit and build a, a singular culture uh, around that. So uh, very powerful, and, and you know, as you, we're all here because we believe in the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And part of that end of the story is how we're able to to work and and how we feel every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 not trivial. So I'm really I'm really excited that we're able
1: to talk a little bit about it and, and some of the elements that make it so meaningful. So if we if we think about like. Brene Brown, who is the backbone of vulnerability that we know today, she has a, a great quote that goes, brave leaders are never silent about hard things. And that um, I think always hits a chord personally with me because you know what we've been talking about with being vulnerable, it's, mm-hmm. it's, being, it's being brave. Um, but often we want to be shyer about those hard things. So having that uh, courage to really speak out during some of those difficult things whether they're current situations that we've been seeing now in our in our world especially over uh, COVID. Um, So Jane has there been a time when you realized that you you needed to speak out even though you maybe were uncomfortable in that situation? Corinne, every day.
2: I think every day and uh, we're all unique right? Um, I wear a piece of jewelry every day. And in Sanskrit, it's fearlessness. Hmm. It's just a personal, personal reminder that good stuff doesn't happen unless I'm fearless. Hmm. And that I personally put whatever fear or you know positional professional risk I might assess to making a statement or professionally bringing up a risk area aside for the good of the firm, for the good of a person. Really good of my family, and I, these, as you said, these transcend professional examples and and personal. So, um, I, goodness, I, I I I'm not I'm sure unique in that, but every day I have to challenge myself, fearless, right? Fearlessness is my mantra, and um, I, I think without that, we we simply can't achieve our our personal you know potential. Um, we we will miss out on on the happiness and joy of life, right? If we if we let things linger or, or fester or smolder, we are much better off if we can can be thoughtful, professional, and kind, and demonstrate grace, but take on those things that just have to be, you know, have to be addressed. And, and I think uh, the, the next question I would bring to all of us is, I think the most critical part of mastering a courageous conversation, right, is equally important to know what is, what is a courageous conversation, right? And we're not going to get them all right, but you know, did, oops, did someone just bump into you with a shopping cart at a grocery store or someone like stepping on your toe and they know they're stepping on your toe and they're not getting off and, and everything in between, right? So it's not a black and white science of, Oh, this is a, this is a courageous moment. I must take action versus this scenario. Is not But I think as we get stronger and more confident and build that muscle of having, um, productive, um, mutually beneficial, courageous conversations, when it matters, they become easier every day, every conversation. So I hope that, I hope that gives some answer <laughs> to the
1: question. You know, and I like how you broke that down too, in terms of, it's hard to know if it is going to be a courageous conversation, yeah. right? You know, I think about a courageous conversation can even be me asking Olivia, how are you today? Yeah. And I would hope, she would feel comfortable enough to not just answer, I'm good, how are you? You know, and that you would be able to say, you know, I've actually had like a pretty crappy week, I'm super stressed and I just kind of need to take this afternoon off. You know, that would be, that could be equally a courageous conversation to making sure that we are asking our black and brown colleagues how they're doing during some of the turmoil that is around right now. So having that empathy and that true care for for our um, neighbors and not neighbors, employees or friends or colleagues to, to just really care about what, what people are saying and what's affecting them so that they can bring their best selves to work. Cause it's, there's some hard stuff going on in, in life and um, courageous conversation can be just caring about someone enough to know about how they're doing.
2: So well said, so well said. I, I, I think this moment, this is a skill we've always needed, but I think this moment, it really magnifies how important this is. And, and I really love the example, you know, something that causes us a sense of fear or risk demands that courage. And it it couldn't be as simple, it could be as simple as reaching out to a colleague and worrying or wondering and overthinking, is this appropriate? Should I reach out? What words should I say? And that's courage. And um, that's what we're going to all need to do personally and professionally to help this world heal. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, and leash, unleash this amazing, brighter future that's gonna demand all of us. And um, these, these, these thoughts that we've talked about regarding vulnerability, which I believe yields to a greater sense of trust, mm. is the foundation for having a more inclusive environment and inclusive of all measures, of every way we are unique and different from one another. Our faith, as we talked, our gender, our age, pick one. Whether we're an engineer in an engineering company or not might be another area to, you know, to talk about how do we unintentionally isolate people. So the more we can all get comfortable with being vulnerable, being our authentic selves, having courage will create this ability to lead us across our differences and not just lead us, but like maximize the, you know, the magic superpowers we all have. Because if not, we're going to have those be hidden, right? We're not going to be able to bring our full self Uh, to our family, to our work, to our project, whatever it might be.
1: Absolutely. I even think about um, learning something as simple as Olivia is a big Real Housewives fan. And Jane, it turns out you are too, right? Who would have thought? Oh, I I am I do try to kind of
2: use like the yin and the yang. So for every um, housewife episode, I will watch an HGTV episode. So I feel like I'm more balanced in that way. (laughs) And I will say with pride, I have absolutely learned how to fix almost anything that can go wrong with a toilet over the COVID outbreak. I've mastered that. I've been able to Upgrade the hardware in our showers, so I have really, um, I've really tried to put in practice some of my new COVID skills around the house. So yes. I love it. yeah,
1: I, I love it.
0: I, I would say, it. I would say you're now a jack of all trades, but I want to be <laughs> inclusive, so I'll say a Jill of all trades. Oh, a <laughs> Jane nice. of
1: all trades. There are Jane of all trades.
0: You
2: <laughs> okay, well there are
0: limits. There
2: certainly are limits, but I'm trying. You yes, know, I'm trying. <laughs>
0: Well, no housewife show probably taught you any of that. So the HGTV is probably very smart. (laughs) It's all about balance. Oh, Oh, it certainly is. So, well, when it comes to courageous conversations, though, do you have any opinion or do you have any pointers that you can give to someone who wants to have a conversation, but doesn't really know how?
2: Well, I I do have kind of some tactics and, we touched on a few of them and both of you ladies mentioned. I think the, the most important piece is is kind of first checking yourself, right? In some mm-hmm. some moments, that, that courageous conversation is real time, right? It might play out to you in that moment and you're gonna just go with that energy. Sometimes you're gonna have a chance to be more intentional and planful and, and, and be ready. So I think um, things we talked about, be yourself, right? Do your best to take your own ego, out of it and and feel that there's an outcome, right? You're not just having a conversation to even the score or um, to maybe share how you feel, go one level deeper, think about, okay, what is the desired outcome after this phone call or Zoom meeting or interchange? How do I want my my friend or my colleague to feel? And what do I wanna get out of it? And kind of set that, almost that detachment from how you might be feeling inside. try to, you know, try to be humble, right? So it's it's likely that even yourself or your colleague or the team you're working with could feel a little defensive at moments, because by definition, these could be tougher discussions or tougher topics, right. having that humility and and um, truly focusing your energy on them, and not about you. And I think the last piece, which is, I think a learning for a lot of us, and I'll say me for sure, you got to watch out for like being a victim or a martyr, like you got to kind of think of your role in that moment. And that's part of the, the preparation. When you have a second, when, when there is a time lapse mm-hmm. between when an event or a reoccurring event keeps happening. And when you choose to have that conversation, take yourself, you know, just kind of watch out for being a victim or a villain. You know, you gotta, right. you gotta try to be as neutral as you can and um, be curious and be confident, trust the outcome. Mm-hmm. Listen, if, um, if you didn't think there was going to be a great outcome, don't have the conversation until you're, until you can prepare kind of a mental plan. So I hope mm-hmm. that that's helpful. It's kind of more tactics um, as how I approach them.
1: That's really great advice. One thing that I personally have learned throughout some of the courageous conversations I've had in a professional sense is, listen to listen, don't yes. listen to respond.
2: Yeah,
1: um, Cause it, it, it plays into a bit Jane of what you were mentioning with, you know, don't, don't feel the victim or the martyr. I feel like a lot of times we'll show up to a conversation and well I, you know I'm going to you know discredit that or I don't act that way or I don't do that that's not that's not what a courageous conversation is about it needs to be about oh my gosh that's how you you feel when that kind of a comment is made I had no idea and that may have never been my intent as I've said that myself or or whatever but being aware of how things are interpreted or impact someone is equally as important. And we can't do that if we're in our heads thinking about what am I gonna say next? That's exactly right. So powerful, Corinne. So is that now, are we now at our last question, Olivia? This is the
0: last question. Jane, you did so well. Oh boy.
1: (laughs) So we talk about, Jane, you having this larger footprint, right, being a a regional leader, um, but making sure that all employees do feel that they can have a similar impact, even if they are an individual contributor. And I like to coin that term as an everyday leader, because it doesn't, you don't necessarily need a title to lead. So we can continuously empower individuals to speak their truth and listen to understand. And by doing this, we really do shift our local worlds to embrace vulnerability and the powerful nature of courageous conversations. So do you have any lasting advice for our listeners on creating this environment within their professional and personal worlds?
2: I think the richness of each of our kind of our head, heart and briefcase as we talk about, right, our experience, how we're wired and um, kind of what brings us joy and what depletes us is such a, an important piece just to start with that, right. And, and if we can, can, can focus on transcendence, like tra- beyond ourselves, right, we're part of a society, we're part of a community, we're part of a, a work family here in the case at Rockwell Automation. And I think if if we think of the broader benefit of of putting yourself out there as yourself, as your authentic self, giving way to some of the fears that you might have of being judged or being different, Um, the ability to, again, check your own personal ego so that you're not judging others who do present themselves with different ideas and perspectives than you. I think all of that over time builds this vulnerability and this trust in your family work, in your community, in your professional setting uh, you can't go wrong it takes energy it takes work it takes um, being willing to feel uncomfortable right courage is is not the absence of fear right but as, as so many different um, of our leaders and authors have said it's it's seeing that there's something more important than the fear that you feel and if you can keep yourself grounded that um, that you're playing for a bigger purpose and you're 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 playing for the betterment of of equity or um, your family, or your work family, or your customer—you're going to know what to do. And, it, and I think the, the piece would be: is give into that, be authentic, understand, and um, have that discomfort propel you forward. And keep working on the—you know—keep working on the muscle. Because I do think this yeah. is a muscle that all of us, regardless of our age, our gender, we are going to all need to figure out how to be more comfortable. Being uncomfortable sounds kind of like an overused statement, but it's so true. If we can just figure out how to lean into discomfort and find the growth personally and professionally, we'll be ready for this fourth industrial revolution, right where we started. We'll be ready to to create new and innovative ideas and solutions to problems that are facing all of us um, uh, globally. So I, I hope that's of some value, but um, it's going to take all of us and, and how we're individually wired uh, to meet this moment.
1: I do want to share one quick personal story. Um, I, upon entering Rockwell, did struggle to be vulnerable in the workplace. I, I really thought there needed to be a A professional Corinne and a personal Corinne, the one who laughs and is goofy and this and that. And there was a, while I was in Oregon, right off the training program, there was an intern at the time who was 100% herself all of the time and would share just who she was and her background and was just like, this is who I am. And I'm going to laugh and I'm going to have fun in the workplace. And I'm like, how do I become that? Like, that is amazing. You are so cool. And just like, yeah, just yourself. She is bringing her best self to work. And that, I mean, we became friends and she's now an associate with, with Rockwell, but I always just look at her and I'm like, you, thank you for being you because you enabled me to be me and not be afraid to be me. And, um, I, I just always give kudos to, you never know who you're going to learn those things from. And just being open to say, Oh gosh, I think I need to work on that is, is a great place to be. Oh my gosh. I,
2: I, I, Olivia, I don't want to take the mic from you, but I just want to reflect on that. You know, what I'm seeing is just like, if you could picture this image of like icons and there's like all of them are, are gray and there's one like red, bright, shiny, glowy icon in the middle. That's you, Corinne, to me, that's you, Olivia, to me, you ladies are incredible. And I think you set an example and Corinne, what a great, great moment. You know, someone unleashed that in you to be who you are. 100%. I think that is the biggest takeaway of any of this. It, until we get to feel we're unleashed to be who we are and who we're meant to be, um, there's we're limiting ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I do think women probably, and, um, and some other, you know, other subordinate or minority groups could find themselves more likely to have those self-imposed boundary conditions, right? So mm-hmm. I so love that. And I think on a, on a, on a really cool optimistic note, I have such a pleasure to learn from our earlier career talent. you know I, I, I'm, we're just all of us. we're We're very lucky to be attracting such high powered talent to our company. And I find that there's there's a cool generational shift that some of our earlier career talent are showing up as themselves and they're unwilling to be anything but themselves. So yes. I consider that a personal challenge every time I leave a conversation to be to ensure I'm doing the same. And I'm showing who I am, you know, you know
0: as a, as a, as an individual and as, as a role I fill today as a leader. Olivia, what do you think? No, I was going to say that. And with that, we really just want to thank you also for being here and being vulnerable with us talking about vulnerability, but no, I completely agree. I think that bringing yourself fully to work is what makes our, us be able to work together as optimally as we can. Right. So no, all the great things and with that just jane i want to just wrap this up and just again say thank you again for bringing bringing yourself to us with this conversation talking through vulnerability and, and courageous conversations but with that is there anything i guess last thoughts or things that you'd like to project out into the world and and speak on while we're closing up here i think i think that last point to me pulls it all together Uh, we just need
2: to be each other, be you, be your best self, uh, find ways to to feel fearless and trust and um, lead with vulnerability and humility. And uh, I do believe that's the kind of leadership that is going to be required in the future for all of us. So thank you, ladies, Olivia and Corinne, for your continued leadership and bringing great topics and and great leaders to, uh, to the broader community. Thank you for what you do.